This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, this is Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. So, usually, each episode of Comedian picks one of their jokes to play and discuss. But this one will be a little bit different. See, few things get me as excited to interview a person than when there are two recorded versions of the same joke, where you can clearly see how the comedian evolved in between. In this episode, we have an extraordinary example of this from our guest, stand-up comedian, host of the Three Swings podcast, as well as the co-creator and co-star of Take My Wife, Rhea Butcher. You'll hear both jokes during the interview, so I won't get too much into them now. But the core of both is an experience of being misgendered. The first version of the joke came out on Rhea's 2016 album Butcher, and the second was recorded a little over a year later in late 2017, before airing in early 2018 as part of one of the two Dope Queens HBO specials. Even talking to Rhea, it's clearly amazing to them to see just how much change in such a short amount of time, both in terms of craft and personally. This is a good one. I, I, I know technically and very literally they all are, but these are some very good jokes. So, here is Rhea Butcher. You guys, I uh, I got a fresh haircut. Thank you. Thank you. Got a fresh haircut. It's one of those emergency haircuts. You know, like on a Monday you wake up and you're like, huh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll grow my hair back out again. Maybe I'll do that thing. I used to have it kind of shaggy in college back in 2001. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. It was shaggy then. It was super fun. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. That's Monday morning. And on Tuesday morning, you're like, what is on my head? This is insane. I look like a discarded Q-tip on the street. What's happening up here? So I started texting my barber, because uh, our relationship is on that level. Texting with my barber. And his name is Pony. That's how cool I am. His name is Pony. So I was texting him frantically, trying to get an appointment to get my hair cut. It was a bit of a Pony Express situation. Thank you. <laughs> and he gave me an appointment, sat down, got in the, in the chair, started cutting my hair. He was back there and he goes, ooh, got some sparkles. And I was like, I mean, I did work out yesterday. What's happening? And he was like, oh, no, you have some, uh, some gray hair coming in. I was like, that is the weirdest way of telling someone their time on Earth is getting shorter. But I like your style. And I don't mind getting some gray hair. I, I actually hope I get a ton of gray hair because then I hope that means no one will think I'm an unaccompanied minor everywhere that I go. I got on a plane, sat down, and the flight attendant came over and she asked for the order next to me. And then she got to me and she was like, hi there, young man, what can I get for you? And so my new response in these situations, because it's been happening this whole time, whole time I've been around, it's been happening. My response now, especially on planes, small room, usually lasts like four hours. I just said, I'm a woman. Yeah. Now sometimes I just enter rooms like that. I just, I'm a woman. Hello. Keep having fun. 
get on a bus. I'm a woman, yes. <laughs> and she got so embarrassed, and I understand, you know, she like got called out for something. She was really just trying to be nice. I was like, I'm a woman. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I was like, it's okay. It's a long flight. Just want to let you know right up top. We'll just get it out of the way. <laughs> And I was like, seriously, it's all right. And she kept apologizing. She's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's just, it's just your haircut and your clothing and your general demeanor. And, your, and I was like, no, 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 no. Please do not like give me a, a Dead Sea Scroll of every reason why. My other favorite new thing with flight attendants is that uh, now that I get on flights, I, I got married recently. So now they, they like notice the ring because it's on my hand and my hands are on a table and they're like, oh, who's the lucky? <laughs> Lady, lady, of course, yes. That's what I, I just, <coughs> I have a cough. <laughs> That's my new favorite one. This other flight attendant once, uh, she was telling jokes as flight attendants do on the flight. And at the end, she was standing, you know, at the, whatever, at the door. And uh, all these people, the crew was like giving her this hard time about her jokes. Cause I think she's known as a jokester. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna pay it forward. I'm like, Kevin Spacey, Helen Hunt, whatever. I'm gonna pay something, put a little good karma out in the, into the world. I'm gonna go tell her I liked her jokes. I liked her jokes. So I walked up and I said to her, I was like, hey, that was pretty funny. And she was like, see, this kid gets it. So I sold her a newspaper. <laughs> All right, so I'm here with the comedian behind the uh, the first joke you just heard, Rhea Butcher. Thank you so much for being here. What's up? Thanks for having me. So uh, that was off your, your first record, Butcher, which came out in August 2016. Obviously, it was re recorded before then, and then materials worked on for a while. But, you know, what comes first? You know, what was the initial spark that you're like, I'm going to do something in the space of uh, either flight attendants or your haircut into being thought of as a little boy or just mis misgendering in general? So when I w started doing stand-up in Chicago, that was like what I was talking about, like misgendering stuff. And I don't even know that that term was like being widely used. That the, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. wild how much has changed in between like starting doing stand-up in Chicago and today. But it was something that w happened to me all the time. And it happened to me my entire life. Uh, there's another bit on the album that like leads into this thing or you know that i that i talk about that i mean like honestly the first time somebody said that to me i was six years old so this, and the the crazy thing the wild thing about it is it was a man in the women's bathroom cleaning the bathroom yelling yeah. at me for being in the wrong place it's like how how does that even in what world does that make any sense yeah, yeah. this one which is what's intense but um it was something that i just wanted to talk to about because i didn't know uh, you know, it's something that not everybody experiences, but it's something that a lot of people I know experience. And yeah. I know there's people uh, on both 
through both doors. You know what I mean? Like those things are, are, and it happens in the world. And my perspective at this time was very like sort of angry. And I think rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I think everyone's entitled to their anger. Uh, you know, uh, I think that if you live your life by it, that's the problem. At the time, I was like processing this thing happening to me all the time because the person on the other end of it, it's always about them. Yeah. It's never about the person that it's happening to. You know, we talk about like bathroom laws and stuff, which are not about bathrooms and they're not about protecting anybody because if it was, we would consider the other person in the equation. And we don't. We only talk about, well, what about that? You know, it's like, I don't actually care. You know, like the right is always saying like Ben Shapiro's whole thing is like facts don't care about your feelings. And it's like. Yeah, all right. They don't. So this person needs to use the bathroom. Why do you give a shit? Yeah, exactly. They're not doing anything to you. I wanted to talk about that space, but also the fact that this is happening to me all the time. And the effect, I think I was trying to scratch the surface of the effect that that has on a human being over the course of a lifetime. That it isn't just like, oh, this funny, self-deprecating, it's hard for me to go to bathroom. Like, it actually is. Like, it actually is difficult for mm-hmm. me to go to the bathroom in public. Like, I have to think about it all the time, Yeah, which not everybody thinks about. Some people do because they're like, oh, I have to shit and I don't want to do that. But what if it was more than that? Yeah. What if every day that you needed to just go pee and you are out in public a lot, it's a safety concern? And I'm not being dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know, like because when somebody looks at you like you're not supposed to be here anywhere, that's a safety thing. Like yeah. we're we're very into, uh, you know, like property and trespassing in this country, laws, rules of law, and stuff. And it's like, I would never compare this to Jim Crow laws, but it comes from the same place. You're not allowed. I don't want you. You don't get to be this. I I run the the show, and you experience you, you existing is affecting me somehow, and it shouldn't. <laughs> you know. In general, are you idea first, and then? What are the examples I have that sort of that I can convey this story to sort of people that are not me? It's usually experience first okay. and then like what's the idea behind that? But I had the experience of the flight attendant. So like a, you're on a flight and that, that happened. Yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. But there's one that you're like, this is the this one. This is the one. <laughs> and then also you take pe- collage pieces of different experiences into it so that it's like a true experience. But sometimes you're adding things because it's like, well, I can't bring up a flight attendant and then also say and a, a subway sandwich sandwich artist did this too it's like <laughs> yeah. you got to kind of like cohese the whole thing together and then that experience in particular was i think a turning point for me whether i knew it at the time or not which i don't think i did of just not responding with it's okay yeah you know um cuz ultimately like it is okay because it's all arbitrary yeah. <laughs> you know i say all this stuff and it's not like I'm going like, oh, everybody's hurting me. It's just like this shit is all arbitrary. Yeah. You know, I have like a, a a bit in there about how like it's all made up. Like we just made all of yeah. this up. To get from that the, those experiences to on stage is what do you go up with? Do you write things down? I feel like I'm at a place where I need to shift my practice <laughs> a little bit. But what I used to do when I first started, I, I would write out the whole joke yeah. Like word for word the way I wanted to say it. And I would write it, you know, like in this very small handwriting with the intention of that would be what I would take on stage with me. 
And then I, by the time I would get there, I wouldn't take that at all because I would be like, this is just, I can't just, I'm just, you can't just a read speech. From a I'm not going to read. <laughs> yeah. But ha- having done that now, I usually have like a concept and then I try to work it out. Um, cause I don't, I don't like to say that I write on stage cause I think that's a weird thing to say personally, <laughs> personally, I don't judge other people for saying it. It's just like, I don't want to, that's weird. That's not writing. Well, it's, writing it's a, is sitting down and writing with your writing hands. on stage has become an incredibly, <laughs> as a person who does a podcast about joke writing in quotes, it has become a catch all term for 9,000 different processes. Y- yeah. And I mean, to me, it's like, let's not. I'm just like, don't say that because it sounds like cheating. <laughs> and then it also gives this false impression to people starting that like that you you should just do that. Yeah. And it's like, and no, you write the thing, whether you write it in your head or not. And then you're going on stage and doing it. You have a sort of conversational style in these jokes. And mm-hmm. it, and I, I find it so interesting how to figure out where the laughs are. Like there's some jokes that are jokes part of this joke. Sure, yeah. But this, a lot of it is just sort of like the rhythm of it. What is your sort of... It's 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 hard to imagine no, writing this out and be yeah, like, oh, no, of I course, under- this is the yeah. funny part. Well, I don't think about where the laughs are when I'm writing it down, I don't think. However, I do understand what can be a punchline. And I will say that I do often like say these things interpersonally to people. And I would also say that at this t- point in time, I was actually using Twitter as an open mic oh, really? in Los Angeles because you could, A, still do that. B, I didn't have... It's not like I have some huge following or whatever, but um, I didn't have – I had like 3,000 followers, and yeah. most of those people were comics that I had met. And so Twitter used to – I don't know that you necessarily can as much anymore because it's just like a nightmare. Yeah. But you can find the most succinct version of that joke, and you can then find – you know, it's like, okay, so this is conversational, but – Here's the long setup, and this is the punchline. So when I'm saying it on stage, preserve the punchline and work backwards. Yeah. You know, so then you find the rhythm of where people will laugh, and also just like doing it and going, oh, people are laughing there. Okay, you know, and then you're like, oh, that's I didn't even think that was funny. Now it is. Got it. Um, that's like how you find it I mean, in, in conversational yeah. style. I think that the most the purest part of it is the release of the joke is shouting, "I'm a woman!" at in situation. Oh, yes, yes, of course. That's the big, yeah. And, like, just entering rooms and being like, I'm a woman. And that was, like, a time that it felt right in my life to be like, women can look like this. You know, I was, like, still participating in this, like, binary of thought, which exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is, like, very much a part of a culture. And I think hopefully we will get to, I mean, we're going to get to it because we're already talking about it, but it's interesting to me because I still speak in that because yeah. it, the majority of people understand the or have been taught to understand the world that way. So, what I try to do now is like make jokes about it where it's like pulled out one extra level, you know. But it's just interesting to think about that now because like I also am not not a woman. Yeah. But I'm also not a woman, but I'm also not not a woman. And I base that belief system today on the fact that when I walk through the world, that's what the world tells me. And the world has made that stuff up. And I am existing in it with a completely different belief system. So personally, I could expend energy trying to bend the world to my belief system. Or I could just find out how my belief system exists in the world and is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But Uh that's... My personal belief on it. I am not saying 
that everyone should operate this way. Um, I think that the binary can also be very interesting and powerful. But I also think that when you exist outside of it, whether it's from the inside or outside or both, I think it's valuable to like open yourself up to the possibility that the world isn't just two things all the time. So in the, in the first part of the joke, though it actually comes up again later, is um, when they get to the part where they apologize. Yes. But then immediately blame you for having your haircut and yes. your clothing yep. and everything about you. Yep. How do you manage a tone where you're not just being like, yeah, let's dunk on this idiot for right. Well, because I just never, I don't want to dunk on idiots because the thing is like, there's probably somebody in the audience or hearing it that has done that. Do I think this woman was purposely emotionally abusing me? No. (laughs) But was she? Yes. You know, like that's the, both of those things are true. What's interesting now, and we're going to get into the evolution of it, is that I don't correct people anymore. When somebody says, sir, And they are saying, sir, because they're in a retail service position and it's like part of what they're supposed to do to me from behind or even to my I don't I literally don't. It doesn't it just doesn't bother me the same way it used to. Yeah, used to. And I know that for a lot of people, it's still very scary and dangerous. So I'm not uh, I don't I don't want to be dismissive of that. But for me, I just have gotten to a point where I spend a lot of time in public and in these spaces because of traveling that like I'll just turn around and be like oh uh no I'm good I don't need any help and then it and then it's truly I have truly gotten to the place of in that joke where I just leave it for that person and they get to decide what they do with it and for whatever reason with like cultural changes and uh everything like whatever that person thinks of me if they if they think oh this is a trans man or oh this is a woman who doesn't care being called sir or oh this is a man like I literally don't actually yeah. care what is in that person's mind as long as they go sounds good or sure and then they walk away and they process that experience yeah, exactly. for themselves cuz I can't I can't control what they take away from it I can only hope that they go like huh oh and then have an interaction with a person that they hear talked about on the news all the time. Yeah. Because the fact that I don't identify as a trans man doesn't mean I'm not a trans man to people in the world. Yeah. So the thing that I would like to do is just express my humanity to people. Yeah. Where you, and not be angry all yeah, the time. Yeah, and just like, oh, just, <laughs> and you're a human to them, and it'll be like, yes. oh, that allows, forces them to be like, I might have messed up. Right. And like, oh, they were a person this whole time. Yeah, it's just, oh, this is a person. So now you have sort of the the uh, flight attendant part, the hair portion to get into it. Was that two things you sort of glued together? It's like, how do I get into misgendered without just being like, so misgendering? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much what it was. It was like, I, I want to, you know, the whole like show don't tell doesn't necessarily work in stand up because you have to talk. Yeah. But. It's more of that where it's like, what is something somebody can see right now? And also it's a it's um a preamble to the fact that the flight attendant is gonna use my haircut yeah. as the excuse for the thing. So it's sort of like acknowledging, like, yes, I chose this thing. This is the thing that I choose. It's also something that like for queer people, you know, I'm trying to find I think we're all trying to find a term that <laughs> sort of describes this, but it's like 
there's no one term, and so I'm trying to be inclusive by using a bunch of different words, which doesn't always work. But everyone, forgive me if I say something that you disagree with, and I, I'll I'm always open to interpretation. Because what's interesting is, and we're not talking about the bathroom bit, but I think this is a good moment to talk about it. I had this experience on my album where, you know, I go into the whole experience of going to the bathroom and and how people interact with me in there, and I I did I went shopping in Target in Chicago and I went into the women's public restroom in Chicago and I went in there and this woman was exiting a stall like a big like I think it was an accessible stall and she locked eyes with me and just gave me this like dirty look like I wasn't supposed to be there and I know it very well yeah uh so I knew immediately what was happening and then I noticed that she was trying to get her cart out of the stall with her and so the punchline is and I was like no lady this one's not on me. I'm not the one trying to get the wrong thing in here. I'm a human being. That is a cart. This does not belong in here. And so, to me, I was using the word thing as sort of like a joking way of saying, you know, that is that is a thing. Yeah. I am a person. Um, and also, like, thing as an idea. The concept of gender, to me... I was referring to as a thing. So it yeah. kind of works both in my brain. That's yeah. what I was thinking. And also on top of that, but sort of further down the road, I, people have referred to me as a slur, a thing. And it is something that people use. And it's, I think, I think somewhat specific to the queer community um, that, you know, like people would shout at me from across the street, like, what are you? Or look at it. Yeah, or yeah. Something, You know, it's like a thing that I think we share. And many people have had that experience. And thing is one of those words. And like a, a trans woman was at one of my shows and was super affected by that. And was, I think, I'm going to use this word, but I don't mean, it, I think this is how they were processing it. They were really upset by it. And uh, I didn't know. And they didn't say anything to me after the show, which is understandable. Uh, they were like subtweeting me, I think. And I somehow found it. And then I, I like dm'd with them and like we actually had like a dialogue about it and i this was before the album came out and i really thought about whether it was something that i shouldn't say because of how the effect that it could have on other people and i really didn't want i was like i don't i actually don't know how to get there and it'd still be funny yeah and have like humor to it that's the thing about like <laughs> words and people i mean policing or maintaining words um, and policing is something I don't like people saying. It's like, for the most part, we're talking about slurs here. But once you start to get into like, well, you're talking in the binary, so this is automatically offensive. It's like, no, I'm using the binary to make wordplay make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I thought about it a lot. And then I added that thing that I said here, which was, I am a human being. Yeah, I'm not a thing. You're trying to get your cart in here. And so to me, that worked. No one no one said anything to me directly about it. I don't know if it could not have been perfect for everyone. Yeah. I'm sure other people had that experience. But I felt like to me, the larger point I was trying to make was, yeah, you. Sh I mean, ultimately, like you shouldn't say that to people because you're trying to bring something in here that's not that isn't supposed that there's a sign on the door that says no carts in the bathroom. And you're yelling at me, a person who just needs to go to the bathroom, yeah, yeah. you know, and at the time I wasn't like, you know, doing as conversational of stuff. But I forget what the original question now was. I'm trying to remember was we were talking I, about the hair stuff to yeah, get into it. Right. 
And then I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was but, just like giving people something to to like look at and understand if they didn't understand by looking at me. Yes. What, and we're, allows, and yeah. we're a similar people. Yeah. I think I was starting to say, I was trying to get at the group of people that I'm saying is similar to me. It's like uh, butch people, lesbian people, uh, trans guys, and, you know, gender nonconforming folks that, you know, any of it, people who look or operate similar to me, this person that I happen yeah. to be. Like those, that subset of people whatever you want to call it like that crew of folks just being like oh i already know what this means yes but you can't assume that everybody knows what everything means already yeah because they don't that's the whole joke <laughs> you did mention uh we were talking about wordplay a little bit the hair part has one joke in it speaking of uh yeah, right the pony express joke you have a barber oh, named yeah, pony yeah, yeah. yep and then it is an urgency pony express and i would say the joke the response to the joke is the response that you imagine the joke. Sure, is. yeah. What I got some groans for that one. What is? I like it. I know I you think do. It's I like funny. it too. But <laughs> who's it for? What do you? Sometimes those jokes are just for me. It's like I think this is funny, so I'm gonna say it. And then the fact that people don't like it, I'm like, what do you not like about this? Well, I think it's. A, I mean, like, if we're to be heady about it, it's like, well, we're saying like it's having fun with words. I'd rather have fun with words than be like, uh, you know, that word sucks and that word it's like i'm not saying anything offensive you should be stoked yeah and it's like you know you want to laugh at this it's funny and silly it's a popsicle stick joke yeah um and those exist for a reason like shouldn't sometimes comedy just be funny yeah i think so <laughs> i hope so i wish i wish um so the joke ends so you have the one confrontation and then you say well this my best interaction with this you have the one where you talk about them uh noticing your wedding ring and then yep. the next one is you compliment their jokes which then calls back was like this young man see this young man likes it or whatever what oh, was yeah. the, that to end the joke on that note do you have a sense of what <laughs> <laughs> i think at the time i was like it i think ultimately i my point was simply like it just doesn't matter what you do like no matter what you yeah. do it, it, you can't predict and you can't control for how people are going to interact with you. And so I think that was the beginning of me. So there's this um, queer theorist who is no longer alive named Leslie Feinberg. And they had this quote uh, that I will uh, do not a direct quote of. But basically, like, I've had people treat me. I've had people use the wrong pronouns with me and treat me with respect and people use the right ones and treat me with disrespect is yeah. the essential thing of it and i think this joke was like kind of that you yes. know a little bit of beginning of that where it's like at a certain point i do have to just like let it go and be like well i mean of course this is what happens so whatever like yeah. what are we gonna do like nothing we're gonna laugh about it yeah i mean that's know? that's exactly what you're you're telling the audience like the people that exist in a binary world and can only imagine said that are f it's a funny thing to see when you are not necessarily abiding by that. You're like, yes. oh, we went through it. So like the the main part where you're saying I'm a woman is more tense. And then you get to the end. And you're like, and then the best you can do, it's yeah. still. It, well, doesn't isn't the joke this kid gets it? Yeah, this kid gets yeah. it. Yeah. So it's not gender. Oh, it's right. the other thing. Yeah. Um. It's it's going back. It's like it's I back. can't. I I literally can't win. You yeah. know, like there. No matter what I do, there's always gonna somebody's gonna get something 
incorrect about me. So you do it, you write this joke, you perform it, you sculpt it, you record it, you release it. You know, how do you feel about it? You know, how do you how do you feel just sort of generally about where this joke at the you know, after it comes out of the stand? Oh, yeah. I mean, no joke is like ever done. I could do it again and do more stuff to it. Um, But I think it was a I think the whole album, but, you know, that joke in particular, because that's what we're talking about, speaks to a time like you said at the beginning, in my life and also in like culture where we were trying to understand these things. And, and I think I was just trying to throw my voice into a larger conversation about this stuff, you know, because I had this experience and I knew people could relate to it. Because I think ultimately, if you're not a person that looks like me, acts like me, has hair like me, wears a shirt like me, whatever, um, I think that, you know, cis men can relate to these things like I truly do. Because yeah. there are other there are things that I don't know about their your experience um, that you're because that's why that's why the age thing to me is is then what makes yeah. both of them a little more universal because that's something that happens to everybody like people misjudge your age all the time and it's something that I would love to come back to because people you know I. I do still get a little frustrated about the age thing because I I am an adult. Yes. And and we're not talking about people being like, ooh, I think you're, for the most part, we're not talking about people saying like, what are you, 28? And like people think that of me and I'm like, that I don't mind because I'm like, hell yeah, I might get to still work in Hollywood. (laughs) But I'm talking about the people that literally think I'm 20, Yeah, which is like, I've been... 20 and i don't want to be 20 again and i i don't like being treated like i'm 20 yes like i know nothing you know and i think that is something everybody can relate to i think i think ultimately people can relate to people that don't know you not knowing you right it's like that's the core exactly yeah we don't know each other but you could be a little more accurate than this so there's a year between when this album comes out and when you perform two dope queens Yes. As your thinking changes as and the joke is changing and your comedy, how much is it going back and forth? How much is your stand-up informing how you process the change? How much is the, the not change, but sort of your perception of yourself? How much is that perception going back? You know, what what is the reciprocal relationship to it? I mean, I think that the, the sort of story that I told about the audience member having an issue with my joke really started to make me think about all of it. Yeah. I was also just thinking about, my own self and reading a lot of like theory stuff and like the culture was talking about it a lot. And I, I, you know, I I basically had that experience and was like, how I I still want to talk about these ideas because it's not something that's because, because so many, (laughs) I want to say so many comedians, but often these experiences or, you know, identities. I also have a joke on that album about the difference between an identity and a label. Cause I think, we can get very wrapped up in identities and we live in a world where we're on the internet and there's a projection of ourselves. And I think that can be positive and negative, but someone's identity is, I mean, we're not like yelling at people for their identity being the second amendment. Yeah. And that is a very real thing. It's like, Hey man, if that's, if that's your identity, all right, I'm not going to tell you, you can't have it. Yeah. I don't necessarily respect it, but I don't need to say that to you. You know, like I could just keep that to myself. Like that's the whole thing. So my point of even getting into all of that is like, this is actually me. It's not a subject, you know, so often what I was going to say is comedians get on stage. You know, we saw that with like, quote, gay marriage. Like, I, I mean, I'm in stand up. I run a show. I see people do stand up all the time. 
everybody had their gay marriage joke. And it's yeah. like, yeah, of course, it's comedy. It's a subject. But isn't there something to be said about somebody having not even firsthand, like literally inside of themselves, the experience of this thing that we are all talking about? And my answer to that is yes. And like, I I don't think that because it's thorny and because I might hurt somebody in my own community that I shouldn't talk about it because then I'm not talking about it. Yeah. And who is talking about it then? Hopefully other people in community that might be doing a better job than me. But if I'm actively trying to do a better job and I'm thinking about it and I'm not going on stage to hurt someone that to, to punch down, then I think I'm doing OK and I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to apologize for them or I'm going to understand them. Because I think sometimes you can be like, yeah, that was a mistake and that was not my intention, so I'm going to do it differently. I don't think we have to, like, apologize and repent for for things. I think there's a spectrum to them. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail on which things I think <laughs> are those things. But I think because you don't know until you're there. Yeah. And I think the best way to operate is to make sure your your intentions are clear. Like, who am I trying to take down here? Who is the person that... It's not even like, you know, comedy is about taking down power structures. It's like, I don't even want to get into those weeds. It's like, I'm just saying, like, this is my experience, and it's it, it's valid, yeah. just like everything else. You are continuing to live a life where this was happening in different ways, yes. too, and you are processing it right. differently. Yes, and because I'm not this person X doesn't mean I don't get to speak to it because— my experience is similar to that person, and I guarantee somewhere there's a person X that's talking about it. Yeah. It's just I'm not that person, so it doesn't mean that I'm going to shut up about my own experience because it's parallel to or adjacent to or fits within an experience, you know? I have to ask you all a question first. Did anybody take a, a ride share here? Did you take a lift? <laughs> Four people? Yeah. Too many of you are lying. I like taking lifts, gets you around, it's cheap, but also I like taking lifts because I am a talker. <laughs> it's a conversation that you get to tip at the end, it's perfect. I can rate it. I have a five star rating on Lyft, I'm good at it. I get in a car, I like to chat it up. I have like a full friendship in a lift ride sometimes, beginning, middle, and end. We'll get out of the car just like, Janelle, that daughter of yours is going to be president one day. Thank you for the ride. <laughs> Chad, I would wish you good luck on that CPA test tomorrow, but you don't need it, buddy. Five stars. <laughs> I just love chit-chatting with people. I'm an only child. Grew up with my grandparents. Like talking about Perry Mason and Columbo. That's what I like to talk about. Get into a lift, and I am also a front seat sitter. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 yes, I have to sit in the front, but this is New York City, and they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> I live in Los Angeles, and they're like, sure, sure, sure. also talking in a lift for me it's a bit of like a safety issue you know because when you are you look like a uh, a genderless guitar tech <laughs> if 
for the Lumineers. <laughs> and you get into a silent lift. <laughs> no, no, no. I got into a lift the other day. It was a newer car. So I got into the car. I sat in the front, of course. <laughs> and I noticed that it had manual transmission. So I was like, ooh, conversation starter. <laughs> Driver got in, and I said, oh, I, I noticed you drive stick. That's very cool. I drive stick. <laughs> not that many people drive stick these days. And he was like, <laughs> yeah, and not that many women know how to drive stick either. <laughs> Have you ever been complimented and insulted at exactly the same time? <laughs> every woman, person of color, LGBTQ person, or combination of any is like, yes, every day. <laughs> it's the whole thing. But I wanted to tell you guys my absolute favorite lift ride of recent days. I called a lift, got into it with some vegan ice cream that I had ordered for my wife. Two things that might be illegal in two years, let's find out. <laughs> Which one will be first? That's the real question. Sat down in the front next to the driver and he turned to me and said, hello sir, how's your evening going? Now, I have been stirred my entire life. It's happened to me since I was a little kid, all the time. And I used to, for a long time, say to a human being's face when they called me sir, I would just say right to their human face, I'm a woman, just real loud. <laughs> Sometimes I would just enter rooms like that. I'm a woman, just <laughs> happy bat mitzvah. And usually that person would just start apologizing to me. I would say, I'm a woman. And they'd say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. It's just your haircut and your clothing and the way you carry yourself and your voice. And I would say, shh, shh, shh. You had me at I'm sorry. days my own, uh, you know, my gender identity is evolving, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of myself, I've, I'm everything that I've always been, you know, and everything that I always will be. I kind of think of people as like rings on a tree, you know, we're just experiences and we're always changing and always figuring ourselves out. And the thing is, he was just trying to get an answer right to a question that was never correct to begin with, you see, because the whole thing is made up, just made up. made up. You know like when people are like, you know that word haagen That's not a real word. I'm like, oh really? Like all the other words that are 100% real? That have existed for all of time? Plus we only have two options. There's only two boxes. Only two boxes. Only two boxes. There's only two boxes. And the thing is some people are like, hey, you put me in this box and actually I'm this box. And some people are like, I'm kind of both boxes. And some people are like, this box and maybe this box. Some people are running around the boxes. Some people are picking up the boxes. Some people are taping them shut for later. You know, there's just, it's, there's a lot of people on the planet. And so for whatever reason, in, in this particular lift ride, I felt kind of safe. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to let this ride. <laughs> Let's see what happens. And I said, my night's pretty good, sir. How's yours? And he was like, well, sir, it's going pretty great. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. He thinks I'm a dude. Can we 
pull over? Can I apply for a job real quick? <laughs> yeah. And we were driving for a while, and he said to me, turned to me and said, sir, can I ask you a question? And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> he was like, do you like jazz, sir? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I do. I keep my car radio locked to the jazz station. It keeps my blood pressure down. It keeps me a lot less road ragey these days. Plus, I didn't really listen to that much jazz, so it's all new to me. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, that's wonderful, sir. Can I ask you another question? I was like, shoot. And he said, do you like Frank Sinatra, sir? And I said, Frank Sinatra? Do I like Frank Sinatra? It's Frank Sinatra. Of course I like Frank Sinatra. And he said to me, sir, you are a great man. And I said, hell yeah, I am. And that, my friends, is a much better version of La La Land than you will ever see. Thanks so much. I've been Rhea Butcher. Rhea Butcher! Considering that some of the joke is going to be the same, it's the same topic, what was the spark to do this version where it's framed around sort of ride sharing and this experience. It's just an extension of how often do I interface with other human beings? I like to talk about a real tangible thing as opposed to like this idea outside of me that I'm pointing at and everybody's looking at. <laughs> Some people do that very well. That's not necessarily what I do well, because to me, there's like an idea between the two of us. And the two of us is me and the person in the joke and me and the person in the audience listening to it. Let's walk through sort of the different parts of the bit because it's it's an incredible piece Thank of comedy. Like, it's <laughs> like it's the hardest thing to do in like in terms of level of difficulty of stand up to do one thing to have a TV set that's one joke. Yes. And has multiple parts and digressions of. Now you're not telling a story, but you're like framing with sort of it's a very complicated thing and you pull it off. <laughs> Thank you. So you should keep on doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, yeah, so, I like it. So we have different parts. So the first part, which is um the setup is just sort of like I am this person who yes. likes lift driving. The most jokey joke in that part is the uh taking a lift is a bit of a safety issue when you look like a genderless guitar tech. Yep. Laugh. And then for the Lumineers, which is no yep. uh were there different versions of that? No. And I'll tell you why there's not different versions, because somebody was like, the Lumineers thing was so funny, because Phoebe Robinson's boyfriend is the tour manager yeah, yeah. of that band, yeah. and I forgot, <laughs> and like, just did it on that show, and so that's, yeah, there were no other, it just, that always was the easiest band to say, people really responded to it, and so I just always kept it. And Do you I, have to dress too, like... I was wearing that outfit on tour all fall because we were on a bus and so it was the most stand-up in the fastest amount of time that i was doing and i felt like uh i remember listen when i first started doing stand-up i listened to essentially every podcast in 2009 that paul f Tompkins was on and had ever been on and he talked about 
like somebody was like, so, you know, what what is your job? You know, that like yeah. podcast start of things like, well, if we're going by what's on my tax returns, it's entertainer. Yeah. And then he talked about, you know, people always ask him why he wears a suit. And he's like, it's I sh- I'm putting on a show. And for him, that means a suit. I don't like to rely on the like, look at how silly I look, because yeah. it's not it's not self-deprecating to me personally to make that joke. To me, it's funny. So there's sort of like three sections of lift driving. There's sort of first section was like lift is a thing that I find enjoyable. Yep. That and then the second is this person disrupted that. <laughs> yeah. In a way. Yeah. In a what, way. So what is what do you want the sort of audience to be thinking before you get into the sort of the the the, the heavier part of it? Well, I think. Those two things, like these are the fun ones. This person disrupted it, and then it's basically like, okay, so the third beat is, what it is, which one is it going to be? And ultimately, it's both. Yeah, <laughs> that last one is both, where yeah. it goes back to the like, oh, this kid gets it. It's like kind of the same thing, but with like a happier ending, where I'm the one saying, I'm actually saying like, yeah, fuck it, I can't control this. I, yeah. I am. I am a great man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's nothing about you that's wrong. So the uh, Lyft driver calls you sir, which then allows you to reintroduce the jokes from the first yes. joke, which is the uh, I am a You said yep. I used to do I am a woman. Yep. And then you do the what the flight attendant said, but now you don't assign to a flight attendant. There are two major changes. There's a, a new tag after you enter the room. I'm a woman. Pause. Happy bat mitzvah. Yep. Uh, and the other one is the list of why they're oh well i'm sorry but you look blah blah blah. yeah and then you go you had me and then i'm sorry do you remember the writing those tags i do remember writing those tags because i was like this makes sense to reuse this stuff not because i'm lazy but because it's literally changed yeah so a bunch of people are watching me do stand-up that have never seen me do stand-up before but also some people are watching me that have seen me do stand-up before so they've heard this so how do i bridge the gap of those two brains i'll just say all that stuff again because then they're like that is funny that does make sense <laughs> you know like yeah you are you are just entering these spaces yeah. and also you could be thinking that in this moment like that was also what i was trying to address without directly addressing like going like how many of you think i'm a woman yeah. you know like it, it many of the people listening to me talking right then are thinking oh this is a woman yeah it, and so again to go back to the beginning i am to those people and i'm not denying that <laughs> well, you what it allows you to do is like it sets up that there's an expectation that you, that people see you as a woman. Yes, that that is the thing that it can happen, and that people see you incorrectly yes. not as a woman. Like right. you know, yes. that all it all they brings you then to the next section, which is like to then say the incorrectness of that doesn't actually even exist. Yeah, you have to like get. <laughs> I mean, it's really you have to. It's a hard thing you have to do because you have to very quickly get through yes. all this stuff without. People forgetting that you're telling a story right now. Uh huh. Yeah. About while being also in a not. Lift. <laughs> yeah. While not being like glib about it. Yeah. You did it by having those sort of metaphors. But what was the sort of challenge of ha- trying to say everything you have to say? Yeah. I mean, I think it was the challenge. The challenge was just saying the the tree the rings on a tree part and just being like, you know what, just fuck, just say it. Because like, so I think often you don't want to be sincere in stand up. And you don't want to be like, oh, I'm this is Clapter and like I, I'm giving a TED talk now. Like I don't I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm gonna talk about this shit, I gotta be kind to it. And yeah. it's gotta make sense. So 
I also really like physical comedy. So it's like, okay, so how can I be physical in this moment and 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 be doing this sort of TED talky sort of clapter thing? But actually, like I I I will use my body, which is the thing I'm talking about, yeah. to make this funny. Yeah. Because I'm trying to talk about a concept that I know people are going to be like, woo, at the end, and they're going to give me an applause break, not because it's funny, but because they agree. Yeah. And like, all right, that's the only thing I can do about it. But they might also be laughing because I'm about, I sound like my head's about to explode. Yeah. And that was like all on purpose because I was like, I gotta, I have to make it funny somehow because I don't want to cheat and do like clapter. Because yeah, I don't, don't be like, like that. You don't be like, one minute, let me explain everything yeah, I think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And like, uh, but I also am like, yes, it's it is clapter for sure. Like I own up to that, and it's like I try, I tried, yeah. <laughs> I tried from a to comic to comic. Like I tried, and I always do try. But like I tried to pepper in some jokes, which I just found by doing it, the writing on stage or whatever of it all is like I didn't sit down and write like some people like to pick up the boxes. Like that just happened, yeah. And it felt right, and it made sense, and it's, like, so silly and ridiculous. Like, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. You know, like, we're thinking about boxes on a page until I'm like, no, we're now we're talking about actual people yeah. moving things around in an actual space. So then you get back, and then you, you're talking now to this man who calls you sir a million times. Yes, just over and over again. <laughs> What's interesting, by you say sir so many times that first you get laughed at it, and then, like, it truly becomes meaningless yeah just what he's calling me yeah it's like it, tra- it sort of transitions from a joke about how people see you to a joke of, or just a story about oh these are this is who you are not in relation to how people see you they're like you are a person who likes frank sinatra yes regardless of how people see you well it was just like i just wanted to say it a bunch because i knew people would think it was funny because it is funny yeah. and then also just like now the moment is because I say like because he keeps saying sir and I'm like this doesn't usually go this far. Can we pull over? Can I apply for a job real quick? Yes, you do say that. And that was more what it was. It's like oh, sometimes this just goes. Yeah. Like it's not and and I it allowed for me to like yeah play that play not a role but just like yeah like for this car ride I'm a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know like as for all intents and purposes yes I am. Yeah, and and, and yeah. uh you know like I I I also the Frank Sinatra thing is like I used to say all this shit about Frank Sinatra and I was like this is bogging everything down <laughs> and it's like I just need something that is like it's Frank Sinatra is such a iconic like this is a man. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point. It's like, it's Frank Sinatra. How can you not like Frank Sinatra? It's like, well, because he was an abusive asshole. But other than that, the music, you know, it's like I could do that whole thing. But the the whole point was not like, oh, I'm macho or anything like that. It's like, yeah, we can just talk to each other yeah. now. Like, you're just talking to me. And you're not even talking to me like a man. Because then the punchline is that he still thinks I'm a man. And yeah. he's telling me what a great man I am. So, like... What does to, to me what I'm leaving the audience with is what does that even mean? Yeah. What does it mean? It doesn't it actually doesn't what he really means is like you're a great person to talk to. Yeah. So like okay, great. Yeah. I fucking course I am. Uh as a person who runs a a, a weekly show, uh you know, generally the host might ask how you want to be introduced and Phoebe and Jessica do refer you as she when they uh-huh. introduce you. So month after you're taping it, so the October that of 2017, because it comes out in 2018, you tweet that you're open to 
they, them, there, but yeah. also at that, relate to she, her, yeah. there, and then... Is it, that when I said all of them, or That's I, when you said all. That you're like... Oh, okay. you're just like That's the one at... It's like a month after this happens, you say any of them can make sense. So at the time when you're introduced... A month after it comes out? M- no, a month after okay. you r- record it. Uh, it was a long thread, but the, the gist of it is they, them, there can work. Sometimes Man, I feel like she, so quickly, yeah. she, and then sometimes <laughs> if he and it makes sense, blah, blah, blah. But point being in September, they say she. Yes. I mean, it does, if anything, work for the joke probably more. I think what that speaks to is like, there are so many moving parts to doing this job <laughs> where like, you're like, oh, I forgot to tell this person not to say that I was on xyz show or something you know like yeah, yeah. please don't focus on please don't use a photo of me from 2012 i thought that was a, an assumed thing you know it's like yeah, yeah. i'm trying to think of better examples but like i just didn't think to say that and that i think just speaks to how adamant i was about my pronouns which was not very yeah. pro- adamant that for me and being adamant about it is totally okay i don't mean to say like <laughs> i'm i'm totally chill or whatever i just mean that when I said I was using they, them pronouns, it felt like something that felt right. It felt good. It felt appropriate. I liked it. It was fun. And then that went away immediately because people started getting angry at other people for using, quote, the wrong pronouns. And I was like, okay, the whole point that I was trying to do was alleviate some of the stress yeah. and do something that was easier. And you know what? It is more difficult and you're adding stress to my life. And I don't want that. And, and one of the specific... Because the reason why I'm like hung up on the timing is because I, I said it in response to Conan being on my actual stand up show over the summer. So that's why I'm like the timeline seems kind of off for that. But um, because he got on stage and was like, she was so great she, on my show. She like really crushed it. Yeah. And for me, somebody that and, and I'm going into all this because it, it's a reason. I grew up watching Conan O'Brien. I would never say this to his face. <laughs> I didn't want to say it on the Internet either because it's like I hate it when people age yeah. you or whatever. Yeah. But it's true. Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter and all the people that wrote on that show from 1993 to now had an effect on my love of comedy, my love of stand-up, my love of jokes, wanting to do it. They informed my my t- my sense of humor. That human being standing on my stage and doing stand-up and saying that I did a good job at stand-up matters so much more to me, and it circles back to the Leslie Feinberg of it all that I was saying. It's like he... Conan is not trying to hurt me by saying she. As far as he knows, that's the pronoun that works for me. Yeah. And I do not expect Conan O'Brien, and this is a very specific conversation. I'm not saying I don't expect anybody. I don't expect Conan (laughs) O'Brien to keep up on my pronoun. I just don't. Yeah. And for him to say that was really a super nice thing to hear. And so then to see people getting caught up about my pronouns in in the thing was like, I feel like in this particular instance, you are missing the forest for the trees here. And I would say I just someone tweeted at me and two other people, another comic, Deanne Smith, and then uh, a a trans like writer slash activist person, Ivan Coyote, whose work I I really appreciate. And they said something very intense, which is like they were in conversion therapy and ended up in a hospital and they like looked up happy butches online and found the three of us. And we like essentially saved their life. Now, I don't think I'm some hero or anything, but I do think that seeing people like you 
being able to exist can help you to survive. And so I'm grateful to hear that. I went through their Twitter feed to see some of the other stuff because I also like to check and make sure this is a real person saying these sure. things because there's a lot of uh, Twitter warfare happening. Um, something else that they said is like, hey, uh, you know, pronouns are important, but I think we're getting a little bogged down with the conversation and, and losing sight of things like no one gives a shit about my pronouns when they're kicking my ass on the street. And like that is a true thing. And I am not saying that we should not talk about pronouns. I'm making a career off of it. Yeah. What I'm saying is, when is it important and when is it not the most important part? You know, when it, when is it sitting in the passenger seat of a Lyft ride and when is it driving the Lyft? You know, that's what I think is. Uh, and so that was the impetus for me to change that. Because to circle back to Phoebe, it's like I, I am on their show. They, I am a guest on yeah. their show. And not only am I a guest on their show and lucky to be there, like I am a white person on on their show. Yeah. I was so honored to be a part of that, you know, to, to be like welcomed into that. It's yeah. like, I'm super grateful. So I'm like not going to, are you kidding me? Like I, you're saying this because you know Rhea as a lesbian. So that's fine. I literally am going to say that on stage that yeah. I am all the things I've always been. It doesn't erase anything that I was before. It doesn't change anything. Sometimes on Instagram, if I post a picture of me as a little kid and somebody says, oh, that little girl grew up to be you, I change. I go, yeah, yeah, that kid. Not because I'm correcting them, but because I'm like, you could also think of this as a kid. Yeah. Because you could change your thinking about all of it. Because I'm trying to change your thinking. I'm not saying like, don't call me a girl. I'm saying I was also a kid. The, it's the binary of right and wrong, which is like, it's not like I'm saying you're wrong. I'm yeah. saying there's more. Both of these are, things are true, right? Yeah. And and a lot of people, um, and, and the, the reason why I keep talking about these things is like, like I was saying yesterday that changing the conversation universally from women's reproductive rights to reproductive justice reframes the conversation and makes it ultimately about people who need access to this care. And it's not erasing women. It's actually making women people. Yeah. Because <laughs> you could look at it both ways. You could look at it and say, well, I, I feel like women are being erased from the conversation. It's like, well, if women are the ones having the conversation and they're saying reproductive justice, then they are not being erased yeah. from the conversation. And if you are saying things like reproductive justice, then you are forcing the other side to admit to the fact that they don't want a certain population who to them, to them, is primarily cis women, then their misogyny comes out. Because we're not saying that. We're not saying this only affects women. You are. Yeah. You now you are now you're telling me that it does because there's ED medication all over TV everywhere I see it but God damn it if I talk about a tampon people lose their shit so like yeah it's like all about when I say yeah that kid to me it's the same as saying yes reproductive justice because yeah. every person should be able to have access to reproductive justice even if because we're talking about reproductive organs and even if you don't have the ones that do this do that you should have access to care for those organs because you have those organs or maybe you don't but I don't know <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back with Maria Butcher after this word from our sponsor Hi, I'm going to interrupt this podcast for just a second to tell you about uh, another podcast I produce. Uh, so through Vulture and HeadGum, What the Tuck is the first and only RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. Uh, the host of What the Tuck requests you do not fact check that. But seriously, the show is the best and I love it and is literally essential if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. 
After the first season, which was hosted by Nicole Byer and Joel Kambooster, the show's back with new hosts Las Culturistas Matt Rogers and Horny for Horrors Mono Agapian, though Nicole and Joel will be around all the time. Matt and Mono are so smart about Drag Race while also being completely insane, hilarious, funny. So, subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, back to me. And we're back with Rhea Butcher. So, this comes out February 2018. In March is when you tweet, FYI, I use they, them, their pronouns now. So, you say you still like the joke. You do it as seemingly still. Has that changed? Is it like... Is ultimately just saying that a evolution of that thinking, or is it like it's not as much of a? I guess I guess the question is the difference between the first version of the joke and this was a more drastic change than just sort of your evolution since the second one came out. You mean first joke being the flight attendant? Yeah, joke? yeah. As you do the joke now, how different is your perspective on those things reflected in the, the, how you do it now? Um, I mean, I'm less animated when I do the boxes thing, which is interesting. But the new thing that I do, to me, I think ultimately what I'm trying to get at that I haven't succeeded at when I've been talking about it on stage, the new one that you're not hearing, so you have no context for, (laughs) but I will talk about it anyway, Sure, is that ultimately peace and understanding of yourself comes from inside. And so even though I'm talking about an experience with another person who's treating me with kindness and understanding from the outside... I do believe somewhere that it is my experience of this path that has allowed for that to happen. That the way that I take up space in the world is more genuinely me. All all of the identity aside of it, of like what is, isn't, what I identify as, what I, you know, all this stuff is, is actually, it, it has allowed for me to exist in the world in, in a way that is closest to how I always have wanted to, if that makes sense. That I I have a little less PTSD in uh, public spaces. I'm not con- I I'm not controlled by it in a way that I used to be, because it's not to say that I don't. I'm always looking around and always scanning to, and and you know I I have a joke about it in other ways that like I think whenever somebody says something to me that I perceive to be like they're not taking my relationship status seriously because I'm gay and it's like is it because I'm gay? you know it's like because yeah. you don't know you just don't know and um <clears throat> so my whole point is like I would go into those situations and almost predict them to happen and when I stopped by the 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 Lyft driver the sir guy by just not correcting him because there's nothing ultimately to correct by not participating in it I don't participate in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I said in that bit, like I stopped being angry about it and then I realized I'm not angry. And so like some of the anger that I was walking around with, I feel like when you, I didn't realize, I'll just speak for myself. I didn't realize how much anger I was walking around in the world with, how much of that I was carrying around and how much I was actually bringing into these situations. And that's not to say that I deserved any of this. It's just like when you're on a vibe, similar like-minded vibes find you negative vibes if you're on a negative vibe 
negative vibes come your way. It's almost like feeling like I've got so much bad luck. And it's like, well, you're focusing on bad luck and you f- you're you vibing out bad luck. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what you're attracting. You're also attracting all of this other stuff that you can't see because you're vibing on bad luck. So you can't see it. It's it's. <clears throat> I've, I've gained this new understanding of what like, oh, you got to have pot. You got to look on the positive side. I used to hate it when I still do. I don't like when people say that because it's always so cliched and yeah. removed. Like they don't mean anything. It's just to make them feel better. But also what I realized when you truly mean that phrase is to say like, yes, this is bad and this sucks and I don't like it. But those first Lyft drivers had genuine conversations with me. And none of this even came up. We just talked to each other like nothing. Yeah. Like we were two people in a car. That is always a po- Both things are true in every situation. So now I feel like when I go into a situation, I'm open to both possibilities as opposed to going, this is going to suck and something bad is going to happen. The bit does the opposite of what a lot of people try to do with comedy, which is make complicated issues simple. Yes. You like to make complicated issues seem complicated yes. to people. And you and that is like the goal of it. Yes. Why? Because it's complicated. Because as soon as you because we don't live in a time where nuance exists all the time. Like we were talking about these things and as soon as you pin as soon as you think you pin it down, a new th- it's like playing whack-a-mole, you know? It really is. And and that I don't mean it like I want to whack something out of existence. It's just like uh, as soon as you get one, then some new thing comes up, and it's 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 because I'm talking to a bunch of different brains. Yeah. Over the course of a lot of time, you know, um, and so it is complicated. I might feel different tomorrow, you know, and you might agree with me now, and then you might change your mind, you know, like you might look back on this, but th- that's also what we're um, struggling like, and and it it honestly comes from queerness and talking about queerness because. For the first time, maybe ever, we can talk to each other in real time, globally, intergenerationally, interracially, interethnically, all of these things. Like, this wasn't happening, you know? We had gay bars, and so you'd have, like, a salon style or whatever, but that was 100 people, 5 people. I don't know. We're, I'm talking about endless amounts of people that can experience what I'm talking about. So to try to boil it down to one thing would be to always fail. Yeah. And and I was even alluding to this to be, I was like trying to describe like people that are like me and there's not one thing that I can say. I mean, if somebody listening to this is going to be upset that I'm using queerness to describe it. And I guess for me, like if, if you don't identify as queer, then I guess I'm not talking about you. That's okay. Yeah. Do you agree with my other stuff? You can. You can agree with that and disagree with queerness. And like, I guess like I'm not, purposely leaving you out of the conversation but you're choosing to exit it because yeah. of that and like all these things exist on a time frame and and you can't be mad at somebody for getting something wrong in the past necessarily because it doesn't change you can learn from the past and go oh we're not going to do that anymore but at the time i think it, and it goes back to intention you know and my intention is not to complicate the matter my intention is to say these things are complicated and for me to try to boil it down to one simple punchline is would wouldn't make any sense but ultimately it does that that lift bit does and then i not only boil it down to like fuck yeah i am is that i make fun of a movie (laughs) and like how 
how stand up shticky is that? Yeah, yeah. To make to, to make a movie that's a punchline a punchline like it's totally shticky. And but everybody knows exactly what I mean. Yeah. And also the point is like, yeah, we should be making things that are a little more complicated. Look, the guy the the guys that made La La Land just want to make a movie, and I get that. I fully get that. But there was a bigger conversation that was happening, and they fit into something that was bigger than them. Yeah. And I think some of them get it. I, I, you know, and, and they weren't trying to make a movie that was like offensive or hurtful to people. It just happened to fit into that Yeah, dynamic. you want a more, they are allowed to make the movie. But it's interesting because we were like, ah, it's La La Land joke, it dates. But now we're like, oh, the La La Land thing brings it all together in that like, yeah. it is a call for a more complicated understanding, a more complicated conversation and also more complicated understanding of existence or whatever. Yes. Speaking of a non-complicated understanding of existence, <laughs> did you hear Louis' jokes? You mean the ones that leaked? Yes. Yes, I did. The my identity is a location joke. I will say I want to I just want to clarify one thing. I heard the main ones that people I I did not know that he also made like jokes about I think black men and then jokes about Asian men. Yes. Uh those two jokes I did not hear that. Part. That was the second wave of people keep on listening because the, right. it comes later yeah, people and then, stopped after the parkland stuff i feel yeah. like it could, whatever i listened to and yeah i didn't want to listen to it because for multiple reasons yes um i, I don't like listening to leak jokes i think that sucks <laughs> I, I guess well, I, I really do yeah like, i think I, a, a more fair thing would be his jokes about non-binary stuff are really hacky jokes sure can so, i also say that like if i said I identify as the uh, I use there because I identify as a location. That's funny. Yeah. But that's because I'm saying it. Yes. And so it's funny. But I also wouldn't start with they think they're the queen or whatever. Like I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that part. So the the full con it's not just like, oh, if you're in the group you can make whatever joke you want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I wouldn't do the preamble of like thinking you're so special. Yeah. That wouldn't be the the if- intro to it. But I'm fine. To, I that person. It sucks to talk about that person because comics. We're not supposed to do it. You know, yeah. it's like there's this unseen code of like you don't shit on other comics jokes, and like I don't want to shit on his jokes necessarily, and I also like don't want to have a. I mean, I already know I have a target on my back. A bunch of us do for like saying this stuff about the guy, but like he like hurt people and he hurt comics, and it affected their lives. And in in a way that that really sucks, that really sucks. And the comics code is what kept it a secret for so long because I knew that that I heard the rumor. I didn't know who it was. And I was no I was nobody. I continue to be like I'm I'm lucky that I get to do the things that I want. I am not that person. That person is huge. And at the time when I found that stuff out, my career would have been over if I said anything. Oh, over before it even started. And, like, I still think I, I have probably affected my career by speaking out about that stuff. And I didn't even speak out that much. Yeah. But I just sided on the fact that, like, yeah, you should take some time and really think about what you did. Because, like, it's not just what he did in that room. It's the mechanism and, and all of that stuff that came out to protect him and ruined people's lives, ruined yeah. their careers, their yeah. potential careers by blacklist, by saying out of the side of their mouth, don't hire that person. Because they didn't want the trouble. And, like, that is kind of what bothers me more than some bad jokes that just show that you're out of touch and you're mad. Or, like, basically you're mad. Yeah. You know, and you don't know how to get back and you didn't spend any time 
on any amount of self-reflection of what you did. And hey, you are you are not under arrest, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. But like, I just think, I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like I spent more time on self-reflection of like, <laughs> what does it mean for CISO to be canceled? <laughs> Then that guy spent on, man, what did I do to some human beings? Because I know I did it. And I think I maybe have a problem. Yeah. You know? And, like, maybe I need to go get some help. And I need to talk to some people. And I've got a lot of money in the bank. I lost a lot of money because of this. But, like, money doesn't matter. What matters is, like, I need to be a good human being. And I wasn't. And I profited off of being a bad person. So maybe I should think about that. And maybe I just need to pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, I, I've gone through things in my life where I wasn't, I didn't hurt somebody, but I was in pain and I was like, I should not be doing stand up right now because I mean, for the very least, like you are not in a mindset to treat an audience with respect and to do stand up in a way that they came to see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that goes back to you're putting on a show like they're. Yeah. This is supposed to be entertainment. Yeah, yeah. This isn't your personal therapy session. Yeah. Not everything that comes out of your mouth, everybody should be paying you five bucks to hear. And, like, that guy is actually why people, why comics think that's what comedy is yeah. and why they think they can write on stage because he set a precedent that, oh, you got to have a new hour every year and you got to do blah, 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 blah. It's like it works for you, but that's not what stand-up is. Yeah. It shouldn't be. I haven't put an hour out in two years because yeah. I, I don't feel good about it. Yeah. Marcella Aguela said the same thing. She's like, I'm not putting an hour out yet. I don't feel I'm ready to, to do one. It's like, yeah, there's no shame in that. Yeah. You should. It should be good. You shouldn't just be putting it out because whatever. Did I answer? I don't think yeah. you even got to ask me a yeah, question no, I about got, it. No, you answered the question of how. Uh, just how do you feel? Was yeah, going to be the general. Yeah, like, I mean, how, like, and I. And, well, I'll say one other thing. Like I don't like leak jokes. It it does bother me when people uh, record me and other comics on their stories when we're doing free shows in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I said something about that recently. People got really mad. Like thought I was such an elitist asshole. But like comics have been saying, don't record this for years because you should be free to work stuff out and not have people see it. Like somebody's story isn't. Also, it's not going to kill the joke. Like how many followers do people have? Whatever. But it's like. I'm I'm actually not talking about that. What I'm saying is like I don't want a camera in my face right now. I I didn't agree yeah. to that. Yeah. And so you should respect that, and you should just be in the moment and not be recording me. Yeah. Because people were doing that to put your hands together in the front row, just like storifying the thing, and it's like I don't want this to become what's happening. Yeah. So I really it it does suck that things get leaked because uh, that's not great. But and I did listen to it and I learned my lesson like maybe you shouldn't listen to leak jokes yeah. because listening to the people really laugh at that shit just really bummed me out. Yeah. You know, because it's like it bummed me out. And it also gave me the perspective where I was like, yeah, I can't say this isn't funny. I actually can't have that opinion yeah. because those people think it's funny. Yeah. So I'm actually wrong, even though I don't think it's funny really to shit on some kids for going to congress yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like there are parts of those jokes where i'm like it is funny it's dark and i wouldn't do it but i'm not gonna say like you can't say that people have been saying shit like that for a long 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 time you Um, didn't invent doing dark jokes yeah i mean i've heard the thing the the eventual punchline of like you pushed a fat kid out of the way like i've heard that a version of that joke for years yeah that's not new and again, like I said, I wouldn't do that material. And I'm also not saying, great joke, but I'm saying it is a joke that is funny to some people. Yes. 
So I can't actually have the opinion of that's not funny. It's not funny to me. Yeah. That's where it's that's where it goes. So I'm not going to get on the Internet and be like, hey, can I take it? It's like, no, that's not what it is. It's it's just going. Yeah, you're not doing what I think you should be doing. And my time is better served going. How do I write better jokes? Yeah. <laughs> How do I stay funny and not talk about like, I mean, Sashir, I thought had a, had some really great jokes about that stuff. And I was like, this is not I'm not the person to tackle this person. Yeah. And this thing. So I, I'm actually just going to leave it alone. People know how I feel about it. And if they don't, they can ask me. As I, <laughs> as I, I mean? did. As you did. So you uh, you've co-hosted a weekly show here in Los Angeles called Put Your Hands Together, which you mentioned. The word safe space, I feel like, has become this weird third <laughs> yeah. rail, which is crazy because, it, it, you know, like comedy needs a – it's just like those words, safe space, means nine million things in my million pieces. But, yeah, of course, like um, PC, police, and PC yeah, and all exactly. that stuff. exactly. But it's like – I think for your comedy, and especially as it relates to these jokes, as you are depicting a a line of thinking that is evolving, what does it mean to have a space that is, like, there to be, like, be yourself here as yeah. you are at this time? I mean, I think that, well, you know, it's interesting that you say safe space and how many definitions it has because we were just talking about comedians not liking being recorded. That is a safe space for that comedian. Yeah. You know, so and that is something that Cameron and I have both talked about. Like this whole time, it's like a comedian. You you know, the agreement is you don't heckle, but it still happens. And so then you being like you can't heckle here is saying so. It's a safe space for me to perform my comedy. Yeah, don't do that. You can disagree with that, or you can be like, ah, oh, that's a great point. Actually, I didn't think about it that way because not all safe spaces are for people to be free from conflict. Yeah, it's not conflict. It's like, is somebody gonna? punch me in the face because I'm talking about being gay. You know, like, is that, that's kind of what we're talking about. And like, I think that room just, we've just set up a, a place where like queer people feel like they can come to a show and more often than not, someone's not going to just make jokes about how queer people are weird. You know, there's going to be, we don't, uh, we don't censor people. We don't tell people what to say or things they can't say. I think that sometimes you just, by by existing and running the show makes it a lot harder for somebody to make fun of gay people yeah when two gay people just brought them on yeah. some people don't it doesn't at all yeah and that's an interesting thing to highlight i think so i think uh every person uh artists uh who exist in marginalized group wrestles with creating their own space versus working to change existing spaces i think there's also the like on a more pure sense you, you can either write jokes for audiences that don't know as much about that you know it's like do you write jokes for people who are in your community or do you write jokes for people that are not in your community because they are the ones that need to be have their mind changed i think you, you have a sense of this issue how what is your version of that what is the line that you try to walk i mean i think that i'm trying to do all of them at the same time you know i think that's why my jokes come off as complicated because like there's like three acts like hey this is for us also this is for you also, this is how it should be. You know, I, I think um, I think I try I, I really do think I try to do all three of those things at once, which is why I talk about things like baseball. Yeah. And, you know, driving or whatever, because like everybody does those. Well, not everybody does baseball, but it's just a relatable, tangible thing yeah. that you can grab onto. I want to ask you, yeah, working in comedy itself with what you're doing in so many partly because comedy has defined what the binary is 
like a lot of comedy up until I mean, it's, some people are still doing the joke, just like women are like this and oh, men yeah, are like right. this, and like you now exist and you see the machinery of like a lot of joke structure has been built upon like even beyond sort of women men stuff it's like white people are like this black people yeah. like this how does it feel to be like using a medium that is like oh, i mean i guess it's like a, all society it's like was it being like to be in a society where it's not sure, built for yeah. it but like but specifically as you on a craft level what is it like to write a thing like you're confronting with a system that is not made to be as complicated in many ways or be open to not a more rigid way of defining black and white things i mean i think it forces me to find the humor or it's a, it's to me more challenging because there's not like the the go-to you yeah. know somebody like jared logan like i just watched him do stand up at like this show that he hosts with his wife Kara clank um he also tells story things but like just watching him do stand up, I was like, oh, right. This is how you do that thing. It's how you, it's how you do that thing. Like yeah. he doesn't use binaries. He describes a bunch of stuff and there's ultimately like a a greater. He's not trying to, you know, change people's minds about this, that, the other thing. But he is going like, why is this like this? You mm-hmm. know, like that's ultimately like what we're trying to do is like, why? Why is this like this? It doesn't need to be like this. This is ridiculous. You know, so that's three things and yeah. that, that already. uh explodes the binary part of it and i feel like comedy you know there are patterns and rhythms that everybody sort of falls into and right now i'm not totally sure what that rhythm is you know it's kind of like i feel like we're in a kind of tiny transitional period in stand-up in general of like ooh, a new a new version and a new format is like kind of happening right now which is really interesting you studied printmaking in college and then for a little bit in grad school. So I've always fascinated with people who've pursued an art form before or other than comedy. So like regardless, you at at a time were planning on a life in which you were expressing yourself. Like regardless of that, you and you've also talked about how in many ways printmaking is like stand-up comedy. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, but what does it mean to express yourself in this medium where you have to say what you have to say it. It's like you are expressing yourself for growth, but you have you are saying the word. I think that's what I liked about it and what was always like frustrating about because I, I mean, I was like making art in art school and it's not a I didn't go to like some fancy art school either. I went to art school in Akron, Ohio. That's not to say that it wasn't good or anything like that. It's just like I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to the Art Institute of Chicago or anything like that. Um, I just was using visual art to express feelings and it was very hard for me to always express those on paper and I, I've always been better at saying things than writing it down I, I just have always performed my thoughts a lot better than I've written them out and so doing printmaking and then when I was in grad school I was studying less of actual printmaking and doing more like video art so I feel like it was a natural progression for me to be making a visual thing and then writing out the thesis statement of that and then eventually just like taking out the middleman and just talking about my thesis all the time you know like the thesis stand-up is the thesis so like and and then I'm I'm visually representing that thesis so like okay that makes a lot of sense that that's eventually what I would just do like, I actually, you could just do this. Yeah. I think that was what I was bumping up against all the time. It's like I had to have the right answer. Like, I had to say it right. 
And like, I just want to say it and you can listen and decide on your own after that. I was thinking about uh, you did an interview with Go Magazine uh, where you said this, which I thought was very uh, a very good thing you said. Uh, uh, to me, non-binary is not an identity; is an, ex- an existence. Non-binary is a phrase that describes the indescribable. It doesn't mean one thing. It is an attempt to explain myself to a society, culture, world which fundamentally does not understand me. I think generally with comedy, I feel like people are like, "What does it do?" And and sure. like like they expect they expect some joke is going to like make Trump decide to resign reside because right. it's so mean. But I think the thing that that says and what this joke does is give people words. Like, I think, yeah. as you say, like, you are giving people vocabulary to who have not experienced this thing or giving people who are experiencing this thing a way to sort of talk about it. Is that sort of, do you think that is what, does that propel you? Is that, that not necessarily even just a dialogue, but just sort of being a person in position to talk about how we use words for these things? It's funny because we've been talk- talking generally about this but what just popped into my head when you said like is that why you do this i wanted to just say to you i do this because i'm funny (laughs) (laughs) which is like and i'm not saying that to say like none of this also counts like we're getting into very like heady real conversations that i really enjoy but ultimately the reason i keep doing stand-up is because i think i'm fucking funny yeah you know because like like we were just saying about like marginalized people have to represent a thing it's like yes I am also funny. That's why you're even talking to me. Yeah. When we say like, and this is the first woman to do this, I'm not saying like, thank God it's we just plunked a woman in there. <laughs> like I'm saying this person got to where they got because they were qualified and they did it. Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez knocked on doors and got people to vote for her ass. They, she didn't just like go, I am this and that and got the job. Yeah. She earned the job by figuring out how do you get this job? She got the goddamn job. And now we're stoked that a person like her got the job because it doesn't happen yeah. often. And so we have the conversation about who she is. And it is it erases the fact that she got there by doing it yeah. and by being it. And that is the same mechanism that allows, like, you know, your straight white guy to have the job. Because you assume he did do that. You assume he did do that stuff. Yeah. But what we're saying is, in our society, he maybe didn't. And that's what we're trying to figure out. So, anyway, that, you, that... You, ha- you have to be funny first. I think a lot of people that get, you know, comedy is a, a job where people, we're constantly looking at each other. The best thing you can do is have blinders on. Just do your own thing, you know, and like not pay attention to what other people are doing. And it sucks when you start pointing at each other and being like, they only got this because of that. And they got this because of this. And they got this because it's like, that is not what's happening. Yeah, Somebody got that job because they were the right fit. And it tends to be the people who don't get the opportunities that have to be the ones that talk about it all the time. So then we sound like we're complaining and we sound like we want something that we didn't earn, but you don't have to talk about it that way. (laughs) And that's the mechanism that makes it all happen. Uh, so that sound means it's time for our final segment. It's a uh, it's called a laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing round. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. You're maybe the first person to laugh at me saying that. I like it. <laughs> it's a funny joke. I wrote just the word "dream baseball scenario." So I think the idea was you can create a situation in which you're playing baseball and you're either the batter or the pitcher, and you could be pitching against someone or batting against anyone, and there could be however many people on the yes, base, and you yeah. can be on any team, and it could be any 
music. What is your dream baseball? I mean, you basically just described it because I'm a woman for all intents and purposes, and you're telling me I get to play baseball. (laughs) (laughs) So you already did it, man. You already set it up for me. It's just literally like any situation, but you get to play. Yeah, I play baseball. I'm into it. It could be two outs in the bottom of the ninth and we're down by 10, but I'm playing baseball. Hell yeah. What's the first earliest joke of yours you can remember? And what's the most recent joke you're willing to say the premise of? Oh, shit. Um, First joke. Well, I mean, I know the first joke that I told. It's not even really a joke. But the first thing I said um, on uh, at an open mic was I finally doing stand up. I've been wanting to do this for a long time and it was my dream to be dressed as marty mcfly from back to the future part two in the tangential 1985 when i'm doing it because i was wearing like a maroon t-shirt yeah, yeah. jeans um not really a joke but a great way to get the audience to pay attention to you yeah that works <laughs> and what's the most recent joke that you don't have to say the full joke but the most recent joke that you've written or you're working on or that you're willing to share the premise oh of? i mean the well one of my most recent jokes is i like to carry like a handkerchief around with me um, cause I think it's a very useful tool. Like you can use it to open doors with, to not get germs on your hand. I don't like getting sick. You can also use it to blow your nose in when you don't have a Kleenex or like clean your nose with it. Also wrap it around your neck. It's like just a nice tool to have with you, but also it denotes certain things in the queer community. And so I have this joke cause I, I put it in my pocket on stage. And as you notice, I talk a lot about the things I'm wearing, but it gets me into other things, yeah. which is um, I'm not flagging. I just cry a lot, um, which some I can tell what the audience is like by how many people laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. They... <laughs> and then I get into the whole like my, my impetus for doing it was to sort of make this joke about the Seinfeld thing, which was not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Because I thought it would be funny however, 20 years later, (laughs) for a queer person to be like, yeah, no, this thing is cool. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, like, like, I'm into it. It's just, that's not what this is. And, like, to me, it's funny to get into that, like, this sort of, like, sign and signifier of it all. Like, it means something. Now I'm talking about a a thing. I'm, I'm back to the thing again, where, like, this isn't, it's about me, but it's not me and it's not my body and it could mean this to some people and so i do i pay attention to which color i'm wearing because they might think i'm into this not that i'm not into it that's just not what this means you know like i i don't know it's to me it's funny it is funny all right the end great that's it for another episode of good one you can listen to butcher on spotify apple music or wherever you stream for information on seeing ria live visit riabutcher.com follow ria on twitter at riabutcher Good One is produced by Mike Comite, with production assistance from Marissa Melnick and research help from Matthew Silver. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them. What the heck? You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.